0: Welcome back to the Park Hills Podcast. This episode is talking about life groups. If you want more information on life groups, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app, or you can always connect with Pastor Alex, alex.unis, U-N-I-S, at parkhillsefc.org. <laughs> Pastor Alex, hey Chris, welcome back to the podcast booth. Love being in the podcast booth. I'm excited. We have many episodes to come, many conversations to have, but this time we're going to talk about something you're really passionate about.
1: Yeah. Let's
0: talk about life groups. So I'm going to just ask you questions and let you roll and uh, I'll jump in if you're wrong. All right. How does
1: that sound? Sounds like daily life. (laughs) All right. So what is a life group? All right, so a life group is a type of small group, right? Uh, lots of churches, lots of groups have small group ministries. And we used to have uh, what we called small group ministries. We moved to this idea of life group. This is a group of people who are experiencing life together. So building relationships, uh, using those relationships to challenge one another, to go deep, and we are going to throw a bunch of buzzwords that we'll hear throughout this conversation, but authenticity and uh um, deep. Those are the types of relationships we want to have to create those all for the purpose of discipleship. We do all this for a reason. We're not just getting together socially, but we're doing it for discipleship. So that is the life group.
0: So more than a Bible study, discipleship, deep, authentic, life-on-life relationships.
1: Yep. Vulnerable is another buzzword we like to throw in there. Yeah. Think of a close family-like relationship, but here the family is not your biological family, it's your spiritual family. So that, that's great. So why would we have them? Yeah. So the purpose of a life group is for discipleship. So we like to use this little phrase that the the best way to grow and experience discipleship at Park Hills Church is through a life group. So it's this idea that we want to create an opportunity for adults, every adult, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your intelligence level as according to like scripture, you know, if you're brand new to the Bible or if you're a seminary professor, um, doesn't matter your stage of life, whether you're young or old or single or married or engaged, whatever place, this is the way that we see adults can grow and be discipled through the, through the ministries of our church. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm hearing that.
0: So then what would be our intention for them or even put a different way? What would be I mean, you're clearly saying you want everyone in one. Yeah. Why?
1: Because it's this is the discipleship tool that we're using. We want everyone to experience relationships like this because we believe that people grow best in these relationships.
0: So to all of you who are listening to this, when when I hear people say, I don't know how to disciple someone, that makes it sound like you're supposed to just go grab one person, sit down with them at coffee, and tell them everything about the Bible that you, that you don't even know. And I think people get really overwhelmed with that. They think, I can't possibly do that. We really think that life groups are the best way to make these disciple-making relationships actually occur. Because if you don't know something, somebody else in your life group might, or you all might point yourself in a direction together, learn something together, and then come out together and talk about it. There's, there's accountability in a larger group of people. There's something beautiful about if you go through something traumatic in your life or something else that someone else is able to jump in and help you do that. And a life group is going to be more apt, more able to accomplish that than the church as a whole, right?
1: Right, right. Because experiencing our Christian life in relationships is the way that God designed us to be. And it's it's just helpful. It's practically helpful. I think kind of like what you're saying we often will get into these, what we call the four vehicles of discipleship. Mm-hmm. But often we think discipleship means I need to do a Bible study right with someone. And there are Bible study is a great way to grow and it's a necessary and essential part of growing, but it's not the only way we grow as believers. It's not the only way disciples grow is by right. consuming more Christian mm-hmm. content, whether that's a book, a video, a Bible study or something like that. Um, and so part of that is these are more than bible studies because if you just gather together to study the bible you might be really smart but not have a lot of practical application a life group where you're doing life on life together provides those other opportunities that we'll unpack as we go
0: totally so what are those four vehicles
1: yes we see four vehicles the first one i call content and that's just just a word that can encompass you know bible study christian book studies video series, listening to sermons, things like that. Any type of the content that's connecting with our intellect, helping us understand who God is better, understand ourselves. Typical evangelical definition of discipleship. Right. 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 Yep. And uh, so box number two, and these aren't in any particular order of importance. They're just the ones that um, come to my head next is community. So number two, community. This is building relationships uh, fostering those relationships with other people. So that's where we start using those terms like authentic and vulnerable and deep. Like we're Mm going to do things relationally. We're going to know, and we're going to be known by others. We're going to expose parts of ourselves that maybe we aren't always comfortable showing to other people. And we're going to learn things about other people that they might not be comfortable sharing to anyone else. But the idea is in that depth of relationship, we have opportunities to challenge and grow one another. So content, community, uh, worship is number three, so that's focusing on our heart, uh, our vertical relationship with God, whereas content is more of our head knowledge, this is our heart knowledge, this is just anything we can do to attribute worth and value to God. So whether, you know, oftentimes uh, in our churches, worship is synonymous with music, and it's fine, I don't, I'm not one of those like curmudgeon-y, like, ah, don't call it that, but you know, we're like, oh you know, who's leading worship this morning? Oh, mm-hmm. was the worship good? What we mean is, was the music good? Um, but there are so many other ways to worship. You can worship through uh, just testimony, through giving, uh, even through um, just sacrifice of your own resources sure. and and showing that God is more valuable than your own resources. So worship number three. And finally, number four is service. So service is uh, serving others, both inside and outside the church. So giving of our time, talents, and treasure to serve other people. And so when we think about discipleship and we think about life groups at Park Hills, uh, if you are a group of people who is doing all four of these things, then I consider you a life group Mm -hmm. if you're engaging in discipleship. And the thing is what, what these four vehicles do, and we call we use the term vehicle, right? Because they help drive us toward the destination. Um, when we do these four things, we are well-rounded disciples. Because like we kind of mentioned, I, you know, as a youth leader for many years, uh, I get together with people and they want to, they say, oh, I want to disciple this person, especially you'll know, you have an adult that wants to disciple a high schooler. I'll say, okay, what's your plan? And their plan is like, okay, we're gonna read the Bible together. Okay, what are you gonna do after you finish the book of James? well, then we're going to do this book study, and then we're going to watch this video series on Jonah, mm-hmm. and then we're going to watch this sermon series, on, and we just go back to that content box over sure. and over and over again. And what we miss is we miss the opportunities to build disciples doing these other things. And so our life groups are set up and designed in a way that they should be doing all four of these, and maybe not even in equal measure. You know, if you meet four times in a month, it doesn't mean one meeting has to be only a content meeting. Right. The next meeting is only a worship meeting. Like you're going to blend all of these together. But this is what distinguishes it from, you know, typically uh, the modern evangelical group that becomes just a Bible study. Sure. Hey, we're just going to sit down, everybody sit in the classroom, take your notes, learn something, and then leave. And there's no relational connection that's happening. There's no gathering together to serve and there's no uh, worshipping of God in that in that moment, so sure that's what we do. Those are the vehicles we use to drive toward discipleship, right, and so you might
0: you know you said we're not necessarily saying one one night of the month has to be community or one has to be content or one has to be worship or service. That doesn't mean you couldn't do that if you wanted to, but at the same time, community is being driven by the text messages that you share between meetings, right community is the the chatting that's happening before you get sitting down and doing your study together, or right, or the uh, like I said a little bit ago, a trauma or a crisis happens and everybody jumps in and is right. is working with this person to walk through that thing. That community is driven in all these different ways. Same thing with worship. We you might sing a song together as a group, but you also might challenge one another to be obedient to God and keep each other accountable that might be an act of worship right? right or or you might make a pledge that all of our marriages this year are going to be focused on talking to each other better and so we're going to we're going to drive toward that and that's going to be one act of worship we're going to do so and service could be as simple as serving one another it also could you know I would love it if we are serving our neighbors for finding a way to get involved in the community you know maybe we're finding a project to do once a month or something like that right, so right. that's good so how and, and I, I don't know how to ask this question totally right, but so how does this work better than "quote unquote" big church, right? You're thinking a Sunday morning, come to Park Hills, you're going to worship eight thirty or ten thirty. You've got a ton of people you don't know. This is you're also going to make a case here for why life groups are so important. I think, but yeah. so why why is it better in your mind than doing big church alone?
1: Yeah, I think it it got common for a while in church culture. To find a church based on good music and good preaching, mm-hmm. which is fine, um, but to do the the Sunday morning, like I came to church and then I went home and that was it. And we, you know, that's just not not the greatest discipleship model. And I can't tell you how many churches I've interacted with where the, maybe they wouldn't say this, but in practice, the primary way adults are discipled is by getting them there on Sunday morning. Right and listening to the sermon. And that's, it's great. And that's part, and that's actually, you know, that's described in scripture. So we're not going to stop doing that. We're not going to say like, oh, forget the large group gathering. We'll just do, you know, home churches or things like that. Um, But you're, you know, like we say, you're not getting the full experience Mm -hmm. if you're not in a life group. You're, you're getting a partial experience of discipling and that's why we exist as a church right and that's you know all of our church mission statements every church it's just a restatement of the great commission right sure. go and make disciples well a good church yeah yeah a good <laughs> church yeah i suppose there are some that aren't aren't doing that but they we're just restating we're making disciples that's our plan right, and right. so we have to say well how does that work in, a, in our modern you know right now we're in the midwest so our modern midwest american culture how does that work best it's going to work really well in these small groups where you can both know others and be known. And so it's easy to do the anonymous thing, right? It's easy Mm -hmm. to like come on Sunday and think about the sermon and then leave. But we're not getting the relational connection. You're not Mm -hmm. having opportunities for, uh, worship community and service with the church and the church is described in scripture. And it's, um, you know, it's not, it's not just described, it's prescribed in scripture for us to function as a community of believers. And so, so that's, that's why we're setting this up. And then you can go a lot more deep with a group when you have, when you're a part of a life group. Right. And so, you know, at our church, there are a lot of different ways that people can end up in disciple making relationships. One way is serving on a team. You mm-hmm. know, if, if you're uh, a part of our Awana team, our Sunday morning children's team, if you're a part of our student team, our men's and women's ministries, there's a lot of discipleship that happens, especially from staff members to leaders, and then from leaders to people in their groups. Sure. Um, However, if you are not at a place for whatever reason to be serving and volunteering on one of those teams, what, what happens with churches without robust life group ministries is people start to fall through the cracks a little bit Mm -hmm. and the idea with life groups is life groups are for everybody. There's, you don't have to be good at music to serve on this team. You don't have to be good with kids. To be a part of this, uh, it's for everyone. So that's that's kind of why I push. And this, this is my little baby, and I love it, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but that's why I talk about like, yeah, everybody should be in a life group. Everybody should be connecting. And if you are a person who's passionate about discipling others, you should be leading a life group. You should be yeah. gathering people around you yeah. to help disciple them.
0: Yeah, and at a minimum, training your training or discipling your group. But we'd love it even more if you were discipling an apprentice who's going to either go start another group or take your group over at some point while you go start another group depending right. on how entrepreneurial you, you are. I, I think the the big thing that I love about life groups and I'll kind of lead this this part and you you jump in um, but when I think of life groups and why I love them and one of the reasons why we're so passionate about them cuz you might be hearing well this is great this is just the new you know initiative of the of the modern church. That's why you guys are jumping in, you guys are just doing no, no, no. If you think about what church was in the first century especially, you're talking 20 to 30 people who are all passionate about Jesus who are running together. And what are they doing? They're practicing community. We see this in Acts 2 and in Acts 4. They are meeting together, right? Yep. They are doing this regularly. They are studying the word and the apostles teaching, that yep. sounds a lot like content to me. I don't know. They're singing songs, praying prayers, giving sacrifices to one another, even to the extent of selling property, yep. sharing goods with one another. That sounds a lot like worship. I don't know about you. And they're serving one another, and they're serving the community. They're finding ways to branch out. I would say live a life that's bearing fruit, right?
1: Yeah, meeting, so what, meeting each other's needs. and Totally. Yeah.
0: So what's beautiful is I think – Sometimes the American church, all we think of is the lights, the music, the, you know, stadium style seating, listening to a preacher that you like. Uh, hopefully we're a couple of those, right? And, <laughs> and you, you listen to them proclaim the gospel and you think, well, now I've got what I need for the rest of the week. And you sort of wash your hands of church and you go all week and do whatever you're going to do. You fail a bunch of times, you succeed a couple of times. And then on Sunday morning, you need a re-reboost. So you come back on in and do your thing but you're never diving deep in relationships with people. You're never once actually spending time with the pastor, talking about what they preach. So we have no idea whether you're actually doing what we've asked you to do or whether you're processing any of that. How does that happen if you don't have a smaller group that you're going to connect with? So especially in a church our size, the most authentic disciple-making type relationships you can have that are going to grow you and actually develop you, which is why this is the main vehicle with which we're talking about discipleship, would be a life group. It's not Sunday morning. Is Sunday morning important? Yes. Should you be there? Yes. Should we not get out of the habit of meeting together like the Bible tells us? Absolutely. The Bible's true of all of those things. But when the first century was saying that, they were typically saying, come meet together. And it looked more like a life group than what Sunday morning church looks like for us. Right. In my opinion.
1: Right. Because I think what's interesting, we we kind of forget that. You know Paul's letters to churches. You know, to the church in Ephesus, that was a whole city's worth of churches. Sure, or one, and he calls it one church, right? So the church in Ephesus, it's it's singular, but it's also broken down into these small groups that were meeting in homes right, right. because they didn't have church buildings at no. that point. And, and I think, I don't think church buildings are, are wrong. There's definitely like a swing of people who are like, well, you built a building now, you're not like the early church sure. anymore. And I don't, I don't, like having a place to meet is not wrong and gathering your resources to have a consistent place to meet is not wrong. But where we can swing too far is to then say like, okay, the only time church happens or the only time we function as a church is in that building. Mm-hmm. And we want to take that outside of this building and be in our homes. It should be a part of our regular life, you know? So for example, my life group, we meet on a different night of the week. We gather together, we pray for one another, we share what's going on. Um, We study the Bible together. We do family nights. You know, there's like a million kids in my group. There's probably more kids than adults. So we got all the kids running around. And then during the week, we're texting each other, we're texting each other, you know, we're friends. So it's sometimes it's just dumb stuff, but also we're texting each other prayer requests. We're texting each other, um, you know, what we've been reading in our Bible and things like that. And then we're, we're training and preparing people to say, Hey, you have leadership qualities. Why don't you start thinking about what this would like, would look like. And however that works, you know, we, one of the challenges that I do admit with with multiplying groups is that we want to create deep connections in our group. And so then sometimes you, you create a deep connection for a year or two or three, and then you say, well, I don't want to lose those deep connections, but I think that's kind of the next level of that spiritual maturity is, is then saying, okay, I have experienced something really meaningful to me. I now want to take that and show that to other people and create that environment. And I think that's, that's one of the hardest challenges of leadership is we can we can get so comfortable in our situations because we love the support we're receiving or the relationships that have been built and maybe even that we ourselves have built. Mm-hmm. But then to look outside of our group and say, wow, this is so meaningful to me. And there are a lot of people that don't have this. Mm-hmm. I am now going to create that opportunity to show other people. And I really learned this actually a part of my church that I was a part of in Wisconsin. There was my life group leader there was so intentional with me and my wife and the other people around us that we just created this sweet, sweet group of people who were doing life together who were, uh, had depth and authenticity and vulnerability, not just as bu- buzzwords, but we really shared life together. And then of course we, we were physically removed from them. We moved here to, to Freeport. But then my wife and I kind of talked through like, wow, what they did for us we want to create sure. that opportunity for others, and I think we're we're building into that now, mm-hmm. and um, we're trying to make that contagious not just not just in our group, but in kind of all of our groups. To say, "Wow, if you can create such amazing opportunities, or if you're a part of an amazing situation, how great would it be to then show that to other people?"
0: And in talking to people in your group, that not only is true, but they're feeling it and they're they're wanting to pass it on. So our hope is that you'll take this. is just the first of many life group podcasts we're going to do. Take it and do something with it.